Communicating clearly can be difficult. Have you ever been misunderstood? It is so easy for things to get lost in translation between languages, between cultures, and even between generations, amen? Our younger generations, like our confirmands today, don't seem to use as many words as I did when I was growing up. They text things like, I see YMI, BTW, FWIW, and IMHO. Texting has a language all its own, in case you missed it, by the way, for what it's worth, in my humble opinion, as I often get texts that leave me SMH, OTOH, on the other hand. How many of you can speak emoji or GIF? People have entire conversations these days in emoji and GIFs, and we do not have time today to resolve the debate between GIF or JIF. Do any of you need a translation of all this? Here are some mistranslations from around the world that show how tough communicating in other languages can be. Eating on the carpet is what I think they mean. Yes, so broken. Do you know any high maintenance chicks? I promise not to use the problem. This one is for our golfers. You par kings out there. And finally, this classic miscommunication, toilet, the place of prayer. Is that true for some of you, the only place you get a moment of peace? Yet we are reminded that significant things happen in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts when people are praying. Acts tells the disciples that they are, tells of the disciples being united in prayer, and that is when the miracle of Pentecost occurs, a miracle that is fire, as the kids would say. It is truly a gift to be understood and to understand, even if it sometimes takes a gift to do so. When the pandemic started, one of my pastor friends decided to start using closed captioning for his online sermons. So on Palm Sunday, when he said, good morning, church, the closed captioning read, good morning, jerks. Well, good morning, church and good morning, confirmands. I wanna speak directly to the confirmands today and I hope the rest of you will still listen closely. Today is the perfect day to be confirmed because it's Pentecost Sunday and on the first Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit showed up like a mighty wind and with tongues of fire, Jesus' disciples began to speak in other languages so that visitors from all over the world could understand what was being said and the first 3,000 Christians ever were baptized and joined the church. It's a great day to be confirmed as told in Acts the second chapter, verses one to 13. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at the sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belong to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered 
and said they are filled with new wine. This is the good news from the book of Acts. Thanks be to God. As I interviewed one of the confirmands in recent days, I asked him if he was ready to be confirmed. And with wisdom far beyond his years, he said, is anybody ever really ready? Is anybody ever really ready? Are any of us really ready for that which is most important in life? Well, today I hope you are as ready as you will ever be to be confirmed. We're thankful for the weeks and weeks of preparation and the parents and table leaders and the youth staff that have guided you along the way. That same confirmand went on to say, my dad says that life is 2% of what happens to you and 98% of how you respond to what happens to you. So today we can look at the miracles of Pentecost, the sound of the violent wind helping us to remember that amazing scene when Moses received the law on Mount Sinai, or the tongues of fire like a lightning bolt scar appearing on each disciple's forehead, or the way people from the countryside of Galilee were somehow able to speak in a way that people from all over the world understood them as they talked about God's deeds of power reversing the curse of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. But that would just be the 2% of what happened to them that day rather than the 98% of how they responded. Let's put our attention there today. The gathered crowd had three main responses to what happened that day. Confusion, contempt, and curiosity. When faced with things we don't understand or are new to us or outside our comfort zone, we too might react with confusion, contempt, or curiosity. Let's start with confusion. Have you ever been confused? It's a natural reaction when confronted with something new or strange. They were bewildered, the text says, and I'm sure there were times that you've been bewildered during confirmation. The emoji for confusion has wide eyes and is scratching its head. Confusion throws up its hands and says, I don't understand what is happening. They all seem to start out confused that Pentecost day. And when you're confused, you have three choices. You can just stay confused, which some people do, But most of us, after a time of confusion, start to move either toward contempt or curiosity. That is always our choice. Contempt, it's an emoji with an eye roll. You confirmands might say to throw shade, to diss, to disrespect, to dismiss, to look down on. That's contempt, and that is how our text for today ends. They looked at the miracle that had happened and some sneered. They assumed the worst, and that led to contempt. It's one of those, you know that you just said that out loud. It's a judgy moment. You're confused and not happy about it. So you respond with a text you wish you could delete, an email you wish you could retrieve, or a comment that you should never have posted. When some people were speaking and hearing another language, contempt crossed its arms and sneered, turning away in judgmental disgust. People do that when they don't understand something, don't they? Contempt closes us off from change and growth. Contempt looks like a steady string of sarcasm, criticism, and complaining. Have you ever seen that? But others responded with curiosity from the Latin cura, meaning to care. They assume the best. The curious emoji has a hand on its chin thinking and sometimes comes with a light bulb. To be curious is to show you care. Curiosity leans in and shows interest. It wants to know more. As some in the crowd that day were amazed and astonished, asking, what does this mean? Tell us more. In our scripture, it's the curious ones who are changed. In fact, it is the curious ones who then change the world. 
Orville Wright of the Wright brothers who, was for, who were first in flight was told he and his brother would always be an example of how far someone can go in life with no special advantages. But he emphatically responded, to say we had no special advantages is to misunderstand our childhood. The greatest thing in our favor was growing up in a family where there was always much encouragement to intellectual curiosity as the sons of a Methodist bishop. One of the things I love about Methodism is we encourage curiosity. You have to love the questions our confirmands came up with to stump the pastors a few weeks ago. Here are some of their great questions. Is your journey with God ever really over? If we're learning about evolution in school and that we evolved from apes, how does that fit into what I'm learning about creation and Adam and Eve? Are some stories in the Bible metaphorical and some stories literal? Who created God? How do we know heaven is real? Can you make bad decisions in heaven? Can God make mistakes? What happens to those who are atheists? Can atheists be saved? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do people in society, the world, have to live with the problems that Adam and Eve created? And are Adam and Eve their real names anyway? If God promised us eternal life, then why do we die? You are joining a church today that encourages questions and curiosity. In fact, a recent Harvard Business Review article highlighted the importance of curiosity, saying organizations should look for and hire for curiosity. It leads to growth and innovation. Several years ago, an anonymous billboard appeared on Highway 101 in the heart of Silicon Valley, posing this question. It merely said, the first 10-digit prime found in consecutive digits of E.com. The answer led the curious to a website where they found another equation to solve and the handful of people who solved it were invited to submit their resume to Google. It's a company that encourages curiosity. Albert Einstein said, I have no special talents. I'm only passionately curious. The important thing is to not stop questioning. Never lose a holy curiosity, he said. That is my prayer for you today, that you never lose a holy curiosity, that you keep leaning in in faith and expectation, for a closed mind stops asking questions, for an open mind and an open heart continue to grow and discover what God is doing in the world. Einstein went on to say that the mind that opens to a new idea never returns back to its original size. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit expanded their minds and they were never the same and the world would never be the same. They knew that people could communicate in new ways and across the boundaries that separate us. As you accept the Holy Spirit for yourself today, may you always be curious about what the Spirit will do next. We hope that confirmation has piqued your curiosity about who God can be in your life as you walk with Jesus and listen to the Holy Spirit guiding you. For it was the ones who responded with curiosity that kept taking the next step in faith. They cared enough to ask, what does this mean and what are we to do now? For curiosity leans in. So I invite you to remember this day. Remember this day of confirmation when things get difficult in your life or when life gets confusing. Remember this day. You can always return to lean on this altar rail, kneeling here humbly before God to ask for help. Confirmation is a reminder that you are not alone on this journey. Those hands laid upon your head this day will be there to support you. The Holy Spirit is sealed upon you this day, giving you strength, helping you to ask better questions. When the curious ask, what does this mean on that first Pentecost day? 
Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, gives a great sermon telling people what it means. He points them back into the Old Testament to the prophet Joel, who quotes God saying, in those days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will break down the barriers that divide us, young and old, male and female, rich and poor. As that third question you answer today is essentially, do you want to be part of a church that Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations and races? Then Peter proclaims that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a great promise to hold on to, everyone. And then the curious ask another question, what do we do now? So Peter offers the answer, repent. Turn away from evil as answered in the first confirmation question today. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which some of you will do today, while others of you were baptized when you were younger. And then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today we acknowledge the gift of the Holy Spirit coming upon each of you. When you speak from now on, may you speak from the Spirit within you. And when you hear, may you hear with the ears of the Spirit assuming the best of others and not the worst so that we can all communicate better. If you're finding yourself today more in a place of contempt, perhaps you want to create a place to kneel wherever you are, to kneel humbly before God and ask the Spirit to move you out of the darkness of contempt, of sarcasm, criticism, and complaining, and into the light of following the Spirit where it might lead you today. Aren't you just a little bit curious as to what the Spirit could do if you would just allow it? Tom Long, one of my professors at Emory, tells the story of a memorable Confirmation Sunday at a friend's church. As you know, Confirmation generally involves a period of preparation designed to help teenagers become active adult members of a congregation. And in this church, they would often do a little showing off of what the kids had learned. We'll have to try that here. Sometimes they memorized a creed, sometimes they learned a little of church history, but this particular year they had memorized a passage of scripture from Romans 8. So one table leader asked them all to stand up in a line in front of the sanctuary that morning and take turns sharing with the church what they had learned. Joe, he said, starting with the first kid in line, what shall separate you from the love of God? Joe replied, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Joe beamed, his parents beamed, the congregation beamed, and on down the line they went, asking child after child. But then as the question moved along the line, the congregation grew increasingly curious as to how all the students would do this. You see, toward the end of the row was Rachel, a beloved part of their church, a child with the brightest warm smile and an easy grace who also had Down syndrome. People wondered how she would be able to memorize the long passage in Romans 8. Could she do it? But the question kept moving closer and closer along the line until it finally came to Rachel and they asked her, Rachel, what can separate you from the love of God? Rachel flashed her beautiful smile and said but one word, nothing. And of course that said it all. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I think the future of our church is in good hands, confirmands. We want to hear your dreams and visions for the church. We want to hear your questions. In recent days, as you know, there's been a gas shortage. People have been waiting in long lines to fill up. The altar rail of this church is always a place where you can come to get filled up. 
If you ever feel like your spiritual tank is on empty or contempt has drifted into your life, please come back to this place and remember. Become a member of the body of Christ once again and ask your questions, whatever they might be, and may Rachel's answer ever echo in your hearts and minds, nothing, that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.